0: Hello, I am your host, Brenda, owner of the Wet Palette blog. Naturally, I am dedicating this third episode to the Michelin Guide's upcoming arrival to Miami. I have been taking a close-up look at our city's potential for a guide since 2014. Every couple of years, I update my posts on the Michelin Guide Miami, and those by far continue to be the most read on my website. Of course, I certainly was not surprised when it was confirmed they would be arriving, Apparently, many locals were. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, Brenda, they're never coming to Miami, well, oops. I mean, I guess technically speaking, it hasn't happened, but the intent and announcement are there. So there's that. Today, I will take a close look at several important facts about the Michelin Guide. Some of Miami's history in the last decade or so as a food town in general are emerging style. What are some of the most misunderstood statements made about the guide? What will it mean for Miami? Who should and should not be awarded a star? I will not be discussing the guide's early history and also will not discuss the process and cost that goes into Michelin Guide's decision to visit a particular city. Simply put, I am not interested and there are plenty of other outlets focusing on just that. This episode is about Miami dining from a diner's perspective, Yeah. But first, a disclaimer, it should be apparent, but just in case someone is too dense to figure it out, if you don't already know, I keep it pretty real around here on my blog and my social media. Sometimes that means I am not the most PC person. As I always say, aquí no hay pelos en la lengua. I am not an inspector, I am not affiliated with the guide in any way, and I do not have all the answers. Other than quotes I will share directly from the Michelin Guide website, everything I will discuss is my opinion based on my experience dining at Michelin star restaurants throughout the U.S. If you're new to Michelin dining, here's one essential fact to remember, whether you agree with it or not. Traveling for food experiences is a thing. This arrival will absolutely have a positive impact on Florida's tourism revamp efforts. One thing you might not know about Michelin dining enthusiasts, that is, those who dine around the country, and the world, following the guide's suggestions, newsflash, they exist, is that they count stars. We count stars. I suppose it could come off as a little obnoxious. I can see that, but I mean, it is what it is. (laughs) It's not changing anytime soon. And what does counting stars mean? Well, if you visit Single Thread in California, for example, that's three stars. Then you visit Bouchon, you can add another star and so on. It's just keeping a tally on where you have been. So here it is. I total about 154 stars. It's a lot, but still nothing compared to so many others. I am not saying it to show off, but it's important to know where my comparisons come from. I didn't just wake up one day and decide I'm going to talk at length about this topic without having any, some, any kind of experience with it. I'm not cooking the food, thankfully, but I can speak confidently from the diner's perspective. When I say I'm basing it on my experience, this is what I'm referring to. Also important, besides Massa and Benu, for me, that includes a visit to every U.S. three-star location. There are 11 others, and those 11 have a lot of similarities. Let's begin. The Ratings Explained The Michelin Guide states, quote, Restaurants may receive zero to three stars for the quality of their food based on five criteria. Quality of ingredients used, mastery of flavor and cooking techniques, The personality of the chef and his cuisine, value for money, and consistency between visits. One star means a very good restaurant in its category. Two stars, excellent cooking worth a detour. Three stars, exceptional cuisine worth a special journey. Bib Gourmand is just a, it's not stars, it's just a separate category. It recognizes friendly establishments that serve good food at moderate prices. Before I get into my predictions as to who I think would be a good candidate for the Michelin Guide, here are 15 top uh, points and things to know about the Guide and some things that are very misunderstood. Number one, and this is a fact, Miami does not have any Michelin-starred restaurants. We will soon, but we do not now as of January 2022, but please Go ahead and keep arguing that point. I have lost count of the many times I have had this discussion with someone. (laughs) In order to have starred restaurants, we need to have a printed guide. It was just announced late last fall that the Michelin Guide is planning to finally release one here. So no, a guide does not exist yet, and it has never existed. Number two, in the United States, the Michelin Guide is only published in California, New York City, and Westchester County nothing to do with our westchester chicago and washington dc that's it i don't care what you heard that is it only restaurants in these areas can authentically claim to have a starred restaurant some local restaurants and media here loosely and irresponsibly constantly use michelin or michelin starred or michelin starred chef which we will get into in a bit in their advertising and headlines but oh yeah enough with the clickbait no wonder miami people are so confused Number three, Miami diners seems to have seem to have an absurd fear of not receiving enough to eat or being cheated out of food at nicer restaurants. Unless there's a velvet rope, or is that a gold foil covered steak? Then it's cool. What is it flexing for the camera? It seems that the second diners are served a bite-sized portion or a small course, as often happens in a chef's tasting menu. Panic strikes. Why must everything be supersized in order for it to be deemed impressive? Oh yeah, bigger is not always better when it comes to food. Diners also have low tolerance, or maybe it's a lack of understanding, I don't know, of paying more for better quality or rare ingredients. It seems way too many diners are perfectly content with paying a higher price for a crappy afterthought piece of meat coupled with a loaded baked potato e maybe a molten lava cake for a special occasion. Instead of taking a chance on a full-on chef's tasting experience, as often is the case in two or three-star locations elsewhere. Decor, service, and atmosphere are said to have no influence on the final star rating. The Michelin Guide states they rate that separately on their website via a one-to-five crossed spoon-and-fork symbols or logo, ranging from quite comfortable to luxury in the traditional style. But all of the three-star restaurants I've visited have delivered a near-perfect experience in those three categories. Every single one. Every single time. Is that a coincidence? Which is it? Not only exceptional service, but to the point of ironing tablecloths like I saw at 11 Madison on the spot. I turned around and there they were ironing the tablecloth and other restaurants obsessively measuring inches between stemware placement. We do have some beautiful restaurants here in South Florida and stellar and consistent service have improved, but I admit it can be hard to come by. It's definitely an ongoing struggle. So I guess we shall see how much of that influence um, influences the final decisions, how um, much of an influence that truly has. Number five, there's no such thing as a Michelin star chef. According to Michelin, quote, Having worked in a Michelin-starred restaurant or even owning a string of three-star establishments doesn't make one a Michelin-starred chef because the term technically does not exist. The Michelin Guide awards stars to restaurants based on the quality of the food they serve, not to individuals. The world-class meals are often the collective efforts of an entire team and not one man or one woman alone. That said, number six chefs can't take off with the stars, nor do the stars transfer to another restaurant owned by the same chef. This is another one I hear all the time. So every time you hear about this Michelin star chef arriving in Miami, no, it doesn't work that way. As per Michelin, again, quote, if a chef who runs a Michelin star restaurant in Spain opens a restaurant in Hong Kong, this does not automatically make the latter a Michelin star restaurant so when i complain about misleading headlines using the term michelin star chef this is what i'm referring to number seven and this one always cracks me up chefs can't technically return a star it's an award an opinion sure you receive a plaque and you can throw that out or mail it back i suppose but it's a an awarded michelin star Les dio la gana to give it to you it's their book you don't have to agree with what they print at all It's like if you're a restaurant that I gave a palette award to, you can physically return the award to me all you want, but you're still on my list if I want you to be on it. So every time I hear that, or that makes a headline of a chef becoming upset and returning the star, doesn't exist. Number eight, but Brenda, we don't have enough restaurants to place for the guide. Okay, probably not. But I don't think it matters in the beginning. I really don't. Around the first two years, I don't think it does. Here's why. When DC debuted their guide, it started with only 11 one-stars and two two two-starred restaurants. So a three-star rating was not awarded until its second year. And I think our list will look more like that. Yes, I know that Tampa and Orlando are included in this Florida guide, but I'm choosing to ignore them for now. I would be shocked if those cities received more stars than Miami, although I do admit I'm curious to see who's included and I might be planning a quick getaway to check out the scene before it's announced, before it's announced, maybe. We'll see. Number nine, prices will increase. Who wants to spend so much money on a Michelin restaurant anyway? I think prices will increase. It always happens um, at those restaurants receiving a star or even two or even in the bib gourmand and definitely anyone receiving a three or although i don't think that's us yet who wants to spend so much money on those dinners newsflash plenty of people do again go be a hater elsewhere no one is forcing anyone to dine at a michelin restaurant the city has plenty of flavors and price points to please everyone it's important to understand the big picture and what this means for south florida as a whole number 10 Reservations will be harder to score. Demand will increase, yes. Reservations will, unfortunately, absolutely become tougher to score at the higher-rated restaurants. Number 11. Michelin only rewards fine dining. The Michelin website states, the Michelin Guide isn't only about fine dining and fancy restaurants. Globally, starts have been awarded to a wide spectrum of restaurants. Okay, This is true, and the reason why I always include several casual restaurants on my predictions list. Often people are confused because they think it has to be a white tablecloth and traditional French cuisine. Nope. I mean, there are no casual three-star restaurants that I'm aware of, but plenty of ones and twos that are. If you look strictly at the coveted three-star category in the United States, yes, that seems to be a pattern for a three-star. But so what? Do you really feel La Carreta deserves three stars? I mean, understanding the why becomes easier once you try several of those starred um, establishments. Usually those offer more of a tasting menu format. The diner at a three-star location is taking through a culinary journey that might include anywhere between 12 to 22 courses. Courses are typically small, flawless bites showcasing a chef's technique and personality, plus highlighting the quality of ingredients. Flavors really intensify as the dishes line up and keep you wanting more. A successful experience should impress and obviously be more than a pop-up dinner, pop-in dinner at your local pizza joint. I am grateful, remain grateful, even for those dinners I fail to completely enjoy, and they do exist. It truly is to me, now that I've done so many of them, a truly humbling learning experience to witness the craft this way. Number 12. It's such a small amount of food. Will I need a burger later? Repeating this nonsense tells me you haven't experienced a proper tasting menu. Again, it's mostly only the three-star locations, sometimes the twos, that offer a tasting menu format anyway. So relax. How many are you visiting? Again, no one is strong-arming anyone. I'm not saying you will feel stuffed after a tasting menu, but is that the goal? To burst at the seams? Or is it to have bites of a lifetime where one leads to the next and you can't believe something can actually taste that good? Number 13. What is Miami's emerging dining style? Does it matter? We seem to have some openings here here that do resemble fine dining rated as a one or two elsewhere, like Fiola or Robuchon. Although we do not have anything remotely close to, say, New York's per se, or Monreza in California, or Virginia's um, in at Little Washington, where you can find um, men in suits and sports jackets. The volume might be a little lower. And overall, there's a more formal vibe I can appreciate for sure. Will any of our restaurants evolve into that anytime soon? I don't see it. But it is my opinion that if we want to score in that coveted three-star car- category, we need it. There's a certain romance that it brings to an evening when everything flows perfectly, the food is stellar, the wine pairs well, and with as much work as it takes to deliver a two to three hour dinner, it feels effortless. In part, it's why I'm always so enamored with those experiences. And in Miami, it's too many times misunderstood. For those who love to hate on fine dining as a whole, oye, chill out. Who hurt you? No one is saying, again, to dine like this on a regular basis, but it's nice to have well-rounded options to compete with other cities for those who are interested in it. And honestly, drop that chip on that shoulder and see the big picture for Miami. We need to have the option there. I can confidently say that just because those restaurants are overall more elegant and formal, it doesn't mean the service is snooty or pretentious. In fact, I have never experienced an at, um, attitude like that at a three-star restaurant, but funny enough, I have experienced that here in Miami where sometimes people confuse bling labels and fancy cars with education, class, and quality. Yeah, no. You can spend the same on a dinner at Trashy, overcrowded Prime 112 with their ridiculous reservation M- MO, weathered, scratched-up furniture, and robotic service. No me jodas. I will take up a Michelin star two to three star restaurant any day over that circus and yes i know about the fried oreos (laughs) but that's part of the problem sometimes here in miami people think that price equals quality and no a thousand times no especially not in south beach Anyway, to summarize, as initially with Shikani back in 2014 and Alter by Chef Kilgore soon after, here I see a trend for us in South Florida as casual fine dining, with no dress code requirements, more along the lines of Stubborn Seed and even Naue who lists casual and comfortable as their dress code, restaurants offering kick-ass tasty menus and phenomenal service without any formality attached to it, because Miami. That also means, though, no three stars for anyone, anyone. I want it for South Florida, but I don't see it. I know Orlando's uh, Victoria and Albert's was closer to the other three star restaurants in the U.S., but I haven't been in a while and they have actually been close for a while because of COVID. But I suppose time will tell. They might end up being one of the candidates for that. The thing with getting it right. I hope the Michelin Guide understands South Florida's nuances and does not merely bring its talents to South Beach, so much is writing on that first list. To truly showcase Miami, the Michelin Guide needs to deep dive into our heartland and include restaurants showing our local flavors and strengths. South Beach, as I mentioned, South Beach's Stubborn Seed by Chef Jeremy Ford, Miami Design District's Family-Owned Nikkei-Inspired Itame, Coconut Groves Ariette by Cuban-American Chef Beltran, Brilliant Tiny Gem Boyade. yes, 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 and yes and those are only the starting point, perhaps followed by the addition of a a different spot like Chef Thomas Keller's um, Surf Club. Some of our import restaurant concepts have also performed exceptionally well from day one and deserve recognition too. DC Michelin star Fiola Miami, yes. New York City starred Robuchon Miami, yes. Coat Miami, yes. Adding popular Miami destination restaurants will make this list a local gourmand's laughing stock, I think. I said what I said. You heard me speak about Prime 112 earlier. Come on. Carbone? I realize there's a New York star location, but no. This list should not resemble New York 2.0, I think. Besides, Miami's Carbone seems more interested in hosting stars than earning them. No, thanks. Even our Charming Joes? No. While I'm at it. Burns in Tampa? No. I adore the dessert room and wine list, but the food and location are basically, wait for it, the love children of a 1982 porn movie and a 1987 Lux cruise ship fare with the little vegetable mentley all messily thrown on a plate, crispy onions, loaded baked potato. Come on, no. And my last big no, cielo. I am fully aware it does have a Michelin star in D.C. And I haven't dined at the D.C. location, but I simply cannot get over the lack of professionalism during my visit. Wine service fail and don't get me started on the gimmicky Let's pour chocolate all over your hands and leave your hands sticky trick. No, please, please, please. No. If you want the full scoop, check out my review of Cielo on my blog. Ridiculous. But Michelin might go for that. It is what it is. I don't have to like it. Personally, I still enjoy the journey, even when I don't always agree with the guide selections. It is part of the fun for those of us who geek out over restaurants Okay, here's my full list of predictions, and clearly there are way more on this list than what I think they would ha- hand out, but I'm listing them anyway. Ariette, which I already mentioned, and Boya Day, Bourbon Steak, Biblos, Caviar Russe, Cote, Fiola, La Fresa Francesa. Tiny, but stick with me here if the spotted pig in New York was once awarded a once one star Fresa way beyond qualifies for one as well Robuchon although I'm a big fan and although the New York location has two stars ours deserves it too right now but ours is being led right now mostly by the New York team I don't think it would be genuine to start them at two until it's actually led by a Miami team. I'm just saying. So let's see how that part goes. Lamar, Le Jardinier, Leku, Lido Restaurant, Nawe, which I mentioned, and I think they will be our only two-star. Nosa, Omakase, Osaka, Stubborn Scene, Seed, which I also mentioned before, Bazaar Miami, and the Surf Club. That's it. Obviously, there's no way to truly know if the Michelin Guide will properly represent Miami yet until we receive more information. Maybe this spring. Thank you for tuning in. Visit me on all my social media for all things food, wine, and travel. Remember, I am active daily on my Instagram and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed this episode and my Michelin Guide series of articles written on my website from my very passionate Miami palette, the wet palette. Until next time, ciao!